Well, today I have a special treat for you, courtesy of my comments section and Medium, who apparently thinks that history is hate speech. Let's have some fun. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is the Dance of Life podcast and I'm Tudor Alexander. Thanks so much for being with me today. I normally wouldn't waste my time with such content or such topics, but I thought today actually would be a little fun for you and also very educating. Really, that's my goal with anything is that it's educating. So hopefully today will be educating for you. But nonetheless, I think that all these things that we're going to be talking about today will be good teaching moments and also proof yet again that these platforms like YouTube, of course, YouTube hasn't given me too much trouble yet, although I, I put an asterisk there because people say that sometimes they can't see my content, that their likes get erased and all this kind of stuff. So anyway, that's another can of worms. But ultimately, these platforms are just in control of everything. And so this is why I tell people to subscribe on my website, because my website is the only thing that I have control over and I can stay in touch with you and you can get my content and you can watch ad free. So make sure you subscribe on my website, danceoflife.com. But now all of this today, so today is gonna to be a response video. It's gonna be a response video to my Zionist crybaby trolls in the comments. And we're going to use their comments as a teaching moment for you. Because even though they are ridiculous comments, they actually reflect a, very clearly they reflect the error in people's thinking, in a lot of people's thinking. And so hopefully you don't carry any of, the, any of those errors and we're going to expose those errors today. But nonetheless, we're going to have a little fun. We're going to look at, look at these things and use them as a teaching opportunity. But all of this came from recently publishing my documentary on why the Jews are not God's chosen people. As of the time of this video, this was a couple weeks ago, I think two or three weeks ago. And it's it's done pretty well. I mean, as well as it can do given my the size of my reach at the current state and everything else, but it's done pretty well. I'm grateful for it. I always just say that, you know, God is going to bring my content to whoever needs to hear it. That's ultimately what I rely on. I don't rely on the YouTube algorithm. I don't rely on likes or anything else. I just know that I need to do good work as good as I can possibly make it and God will do the rest. And that should be our attitude with all things, I think. But nonetheless, this was recently released. So go watch it. You can watch it ad-free on my website. If you need the actual Bible study with the references, then it's also linked as there, or as well there, um, that you can check out. So go check it out, because you'll learn the truth. And when I say the truth, I mean the truth about the end times and the, the truth about what's going on today. Obviously, the whole Middle East thing is very prevalent in people's minds. It's on the news all the time. And there's a lot of associated beliefs that come with that. Christian Zionism, dispensationalism, Jewish-focused end times views. Are these things the truth or are they not? And this is why I created this documentary. It is about as comprehensive as I could possibly make it. And the reason is because there is a lot of deception. There is deception largely in end times views because most people are believing Catholic eschatology, believe it or not. Most people believe Jesuit-created eschatology, where the Jesuits created futurism and preterism. 
So futurism pushes everything to the future and concerns the Jews, of course, because there's a third temple that needs to be rebuilt. The temple's not spiritual in nature. It's, it's the Jewish temple that needs to be rebuilt. So the Antichrist can walk into it. Well, the Antichrist already walked into the real temple a long time ago and has been there and will continue to be there until the end, which is the Catholic system with its head, which is the Pope. But that's another can of worms, and you're going to learn a lot about that, especially if you tune into my content on a regular basis. Or if you watch my End Time series, you'll learn the truth about these things. But nonetheless, that's futurism. You also have preterism, which was also created by Jesuits. Futurism was created by Manuel Lacunza, Francisco Ribera, Cardinal Robert Bellarmine. You've probably heard these names from me before because I talk about them quite a bit. And preterism was created by a man named Luis del Alcazar, also a Jesuit, where it pushes everything to the past. Mystery Babylon is Jerusalem. And I have a whole episode on that, refuting preterism. You can go check that out as well. It's very well documented. Everything I do, I try to be as well documented as possible because I don't want you to just believe for just the sake of believing. I want you to have evidence. Go where the evidence lies. It's not about our emotions. It's not about the truth is the truth, whether we like it or not. And you have to base your beliefs on evidence. That's everything I believe is based on the evidence. I just try to go where the evidence leads me. And you want to be very sure and ask questions and do your research. But nonetheless, preterism is easily refuted. I have one study on that. That's all you really need, ultimately. And that was created by a Jesuit as well to push everything to the past. In in this way, also dispensationalism was created and premillennial views in general. You don't have to be a dispensationalist to be a premillennial, meaning you believe that there's a future 1,000-year reign of Christ in Jerusalem and the Jews are God's chosen people. There's, there's a lot of views that share this idea. And so ultimately, I, I put together this documentary so that people could learn the truth. So go watch it, get edified, learn the truth. There are so many pieces of evidence from history and scripture, countless pieces of evidence in that documentary. Very unbiased. It really is. It's, it's not about being biased. It's not about being anti-Semitic. It's about learning the truth. Because what does it say? This is a fundamental thing for today. And as you'll see, we'll, we'll go into these comments in just a second. But this is the fundamental thing with all of your beliefs that I hope to impress upon you in all of my work. In the sense that what assumptions are you taking on when you accept a particular theology or belief? What are you taking on? There's always assumptions that you're taking on. If you assume, or I should say, if you believe that, that the Jews of today are God's chosen people, what are the assumptions that you're taking on? Well, the first assumption, and there are many, I'm just going to give you one because I covered all of this in my documentary. One of many is that you are saying God chooses to save people based on their DNA and their flesh, which is completely contradictory to the New Testament. And, and the entire revelation the successive revelation of the Bible, which teaches you that God does choose people, but it's always been by faith. And it's not that he's choosing who responds to him. No, he's choosing who will respond to him, if that makes sense. He's not choosing who responds to him, meaning out of a group of people, there's a lot, there's a few that have faith and, oh, okay, they get God's favor and he chooses to save them. That's not how it works. The revelation, especially of the New Testament, is that God's choice to save people is what leads them to believe in him. This is, this is the dynamic dance of life 
between us and the Creator. And it's a mystery. And of course, that's a can of worms today, too, because people are deceived on salvation. But nonetheless, I digress. The real chosen people are the Bride of Christ, the Church, and it's not an institution, it's not a denomination, it's the people that God has chosen to be born again. It's not based on lineage, on flesh, on anything. Let alone the fact that today the word Jew means something very, very different than it did 2,000 years ago or even 2,500 years ago. So go check it out. Get edified. Share it with your friends. Uh, hopefully I won't get banned on YouTube either. But another thing I wanted to share with you is this. If you followed my work on Medium, if you know what that is, it's a blogging platform. It's been around for several years, but I, you know, they banned me as well for, for posting this study on there. They recently banned me, which is a real LOL moment because it's like, are you kidding me? Like, really? I was on Medium for probably about five years. I have over 100, or I had at this point, I had over 120 publications I put on Medium. Most of them actually were health articles, just like health research articles, which by the way, you can find on my website. You can check them out. Very well-researched health articles for you. Product of thousands and thousands of dollars and hours of my own personal research and work in health as a certified health coach and author. And that's available for you there. So anyway, a little quick plug, but nonetheless, I was on Medium for five years, a verified author. I verified my identity. I, ver I verified my publication. I put one of my books on there uh, without explanation, without warning, no discussion, just totally said, you know, we, we have determined you're in violation of your whatever community guidelines as usual. And they banned me. And I appealed, of course, I said, well, because they, they cited the, the study that, you know, why the Jews are not God chosen people. They didn't say anything about it. They said, oh, this is against our guidelines. I'm like, okay, so your guidelines say like condoning violence, extremist, you know, whatever. I mean, they're very, they're very extreme words. I'm like, none of the, nothing that I have in this study, you can go read it for yourself. Please go read my study or go watch the documentary. See for yourself. It's, it's not, there's nothing extremist about it. It's purely history. Now, history can be very uncomfortable. The truth is not very pretty. Often it's ugly. But nonetheless, that shouldn't offend you if you care about the truth. But if you don't care about the truth, pretty much anything will offend you. So nonetheless, I appealed it. I said, this is not, uh, you know, none of the things you mentioned are in there. What are you talking about? They say, oh, this is, and of course, they wrote back within a day and they're like, this is anti-Semitic and yada, yada, yada. And so just to one them up, one up them back, I just wrote them back. I said, the truth is anti-Semitic. So that's that pretty much I'm, I'm off medium. No, no, no way to reconcile. They didn't even offer me a, a way like to say, here, just take this down. You have a, like 99% of your other content doesn't break our community guidelines. So just take this down and that's fine. We'll remove the, the violation or whatever, but no, they just like ultimately ban everything you don't have any way to communicate with anybody on there. And this is the problem. So my point to you with, with raising this story is, if you're on Medium as a writer yourself, then find a way to get off of it. Find a backup plan. Join Substack. Create a website. Do something that you're not dependent on these platforms that ultimately control your subscribers. So just be aware of that. If you have followed me on Medium, if you liked reading my articles, if you... Uh, whatever, we're using that and following me, make sure that you follow me on my website, danceoflife.com. It's free. All my content that I publish is free. Most of my stuff is free. After a week, of course, 
certain things get paywalled and you have to register, which is about five bucks a month. But here's the deal. If you register, uh, if you register for free on my website, the email that you get, I send everybody, everybody, a 30-day comped membership plan, meaning you have a way that you can read all of my health articles, you can read all the things that I've ever done in my archive, ever, and use it and see if you like it or not. I, I really don't care. It helps me sustain what I do. I mean, I have put thousands of hours, like anybody else who does this stuff, and a lot of work into my content. And so ultimately, again, I, I'm not looking to you know be rich or anything, but ultimately, it does help me sustain what I do and to bring you unique content. So stay connected through the website and avoid Medium because they're liberal and woke and they don't care for the truth. So anyway, don't don't get too discouraged. James 1, verse 2 through 4, one of my favorite verses, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You know, this has been a, a real mantra. I hate to use the word mantra because mantra is a pagan idea, but it's it's been a real theme in my life, is to learn to count it all as joy. Whether it's health troubles, whether it's waking up being exhausted, whether it's waking up to technology problems, whether it's waking up to being banned for no reason, um, you have to learn to count it all joy. And remember Romans 8.28, that God uses all things for the good for those who trust in him. And so don't be discouraged when these kind of things happen to you or others. Just remember that God has a plan for it. We may not understand what the purpose of that plan is in the heat of the moment. But I know, I know that for all the people that may I may have lost contact with on Medium, of course, I tried to comment on their stuff that way to send them a message because you can't send people a message on there, which is just, it's just so greedy of them to do that. Really, it is. Like, that's why I love Substack. At least so far that, you know, it seems like they haven't bought into the woke train and, and they let you control your subscribers, which has been a real game changer. But nonetheless, this old model of doing things is just so bad. It's just so bad in so many reasons. But either way, God will use it. God will use it for the good. Don't be afraid to speak the truth, whether it's with your friends, your family, or in social media, on the things you post. Do not be afraid to speak the truth and know that you will, by default, be hated by some people. I've gotten a lot of troll comments. In fact, the ones I chose to highlight today are really just the highlights. I think there's about 30 comments we're going to go to go through, but nonetheless, you'll see for yourself that... You know, there's 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 a never-ending supply of hatred for the truth. So you can't be afraid for the truth. You cannot be afraid of saying the truth and of standing for the truth. And don't get discouraged. God is with you. Now, on to these little trolls who, they're just, again, this will be a teaching opportunity, hopefully, because even though these comments are really ridiculous, and some of them are kind of all over the place, you'll see, I really hope it will be a teaching opportunity for you in a sense that you'll really learn from this dialogue between me and these comments. But these are not in any particular order. I'll put them up on the screen as well as we go through these. Um, but this this first one's from Ann RF8FI. And he or she says, I'm guessing it's a she, you are presenting a lie. The Jewish people are still the chosen people. 
God's word has spoken of the Jewish people in end times. I'm not watching this video since it will be a waste of effort on your part to spread misinformation. Go back to the scriptures and read all of it with eyes and ears wide open. Ouch. The true followers of Yeshua. Oh, we have a sacred name person. True believers are already understand the truth. Yeah. So you, you'll be able to see the common themes. And this is another thing, again, that my goal is with all of these types of videos, uh, especially like when we're doing news or looking at articles or whatever, current events, comments of, of various kinds, is that you start to see the threads. You see the threads that run through all of these, the threads of error. What is the general pattern of misunderstanding? Because once you start to see that, you can interpret in your own life when you're dealing with these people or people challenge your beliefs with, with these types of comments and you feel intimidated and you, you see what are the threads and you can extract those threads and debunk them very easily. So she's obviously very upset and a lot of these people are. The Jewish people are still the chosen people. Well, no, they're not. What does it mean to be chosen as of the New Testament? The, the, the New Testament says as of the new reality that Christ brought in, to be chosen is to be saved. That's the revelation. But wait a minute, not everybody's saved. Well, how are you saved? You're saved by faith in Christ. Does that mean that the Jews as a nation, as a people, as the state of Israel are saved? Absolutely not. Until they come to Christ, nobody is saved. Not Jews, not Africans, not Chinese, not Americans, nobody. The chosen people are the people that God chooses to save. And of course, you'll see these legalistic themes of, of Yeshua and, you know, you got to use this name. There's a bunch of them in here that I've selected that are just sacred name people that, again, it's all one mishmash. Sacred name, legalism, clinging to the Old Testament, using the Old Testament to interpret the New Testament. All of these things fall into the same umbrella of error. So I hope that you'll be able to see it. But it's just funny, again, because it's like you can tell from this very first comment I'm not going to waste my time watching your video. Exactly, you're not going to waste your time because you know that your cognitive dissonance is going to be too much to handle because you don't care about the truth. If you cared about the truth, then you would invest your time in a well-presented, very well-documented video. And I'm not patting myself on the back. I worked probably 200 hours on that video to document it. And it's a result of several much more hours of research onto this topic, because I want to make sure I'm clear on this. Are the Jews God's chosen people or not? What are we saying about God if they are or if they aren't? This is a very important topic. So yeah, it is very well documented. And if you can't entertain the evidence, that means you don't care about the truth. And as you'll see, that is a common theme with all of these. But moving on, we just got one done. We got a couple to go. This one's from VFX Sean. And he says, God will return to saving the children of Israel, Romans eleven twenty six. only after the fullness of the Gentiles come in, comes in, it's in Romans eleven twenty five to the body of Christ. Yeah, I have, I'm going to pause here because I have a whole, I have a whole series, or I have a whole episode on Romans 11 in my end time series. Romans 11, which a lot of people also cite, you don't have to be a dispensationalist, although it's used by dispensationalists. But Jewish-focused end times views use Romans 11 to say, see, there's going to be a future revival of the Jews. I actually have two episodes on this. There's one on the verse in Matthew. Oh, I forget the, the exact number of the verse, but the la like the, towards the end of my end, end time series, you'll see. 
I respond to two of these things, which is Romans 11 and, you know, Matthew, oh, I forget the, I forget the verse right now, but um, both of them have to do with future revival of the Jews, which actually they don't have to actually deal with that, but that's what people think they have to deal with. And so this is the topic at hand. Is there a future revival of the Jews? This is what the Bible prophesying. Well, the Bible prophesies of apostasy and false teachers, false prophets falling away. The image of the beast, people wandering after the beast. There's nothing but deception in the end times. There's no revival in anybody. So this is a big error. But anyway, moving on. This guy says, Revelation says, 144,000 from the 12 tribes of Israel will be sealed during the time of the end. That is after the body of Christ is taken to the Lord. No, there's no rapture, dude. 144,000 is not 144,000 literal people. Another problem that dispensationalists just can't get their head around because Revelation is a symbolic book. When, when John sees 144,000, he's not seeing 144 literally thousand because that, if, imagine if that was the case. First off, that's not a lot of people. Okay, that's kind of a depressing number if that was literal. But it's a figurative number of completion from all tribes, all peoples, right? Jesus said in John 12, I would draw all men to myself, all kinds of men. Not everybody, because it's not universalism. But either way, imagine if, if you had to take Revelation literally, which dispensationalists do, you have to be consistent. You now have to say that there will be a giant red dragon floating around in the sky and a giant angel is going to come and put a, a ball and chain around him at the end times. We should expect to see that according to your literal understanding. But, of course, that's not true. Let's see here. This guy says, uh, Israel enters the time of Jacob. The body of Christ is taking the Lord as Israel enters the time of Jacob's trouble. No, there's no Jacob's trouble. Not in the, not in the future. The Antichrist, the rod of God's indignation. And then finally, the return of the Lord is foretold by the prophet. All this stuff is futurist. It's all futurist. And what that means is everything's happening in the future. We don't have to worry about the Antichrist is not here. It's all about the Jews. We're going to get raptured. All this type of stuff. Some people don't believe in a rapture, but they're still Jewish focused for their end times views. It's a mishmash. I talk about it in my end time series. But all of it's a, a deception. It's fake. It's not true. Revelation is not telling you about some Jewish revival. Revelation, like the rest of the Bible, especially the New Testament, is about the people of God, which is the church, the, not the Catholic. Well, let's put it this way. The Catholic church is the villain, but it's about the true church of God, meaning the people who actually have faith in Jesus and who are living in this age where he is putting his enemies under, under his feet right until the end. So these are deceptions, false teaching. <laughs> oh, here we go. This this one's going to be my favorite. She's going to be our highlight today. I stand with, this is from Averill Rocks. Rocks, 622. Rocks, I love the, the triple Z there, Averill Rocks. I stand with Israel, Israel flag, forever. God bless Israel, long live Israel. We're going to come back to Averill because she, she decided to comment quite a bit. And really, she is the inspiration for the cover for this particular episode. Because just look at, if you look at her face, like really quick, I mean... She kind of just looks like like the the babe please stop meme, which is what I put on the cover. I mean, it's just you'll see because her comments are kind of indicative of that too. But anyway, Averill says she stands with Israel. Well, good for you. You stand with a bloodthirsty women and children women and children murdering 
illegal Zionist Rothschild controlled papacy created state. Congratulations. That's uh that's good. Okay, this next one is from Jira Roth nine three one three. Minute forty seven. Are you people crazy? God said the Sabbath starts at sunset Friday, ends at sunset Saturday. What a fail you got going at minute forty seven of your video. It's not a fail, actually, because the Babylonian time reckoning was from the evening. And if you know your history, which I do cover in the documentary, the Jews, well, the Israelites who were taken to Babylon, once their temple was destroyed, in order for them to continue whatever practices they were doing, the the office of rabbi, the synagogues, all these things started to emerge in Babylon. And if you trace all the Kabbalah and mysticism and Zohar, and all of these practices today that the Jews do, they come from Babylon. They come from that Babylonian captivity where they spent 70 years in captivity. And so by the time that Jesus walked the earth, you had two parallel systems. You had the Pharisees and the rabbinic system, which was twisting the words of, of God through works righteousness and all these various works and, and extra burdens that Jesus rebuked them for. And then you had the Levitical system that God left to Moses of atoning and propitiating, which, by the way, has always been based on grace. It's always been by grace through faith. The difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is that in the New Testament, we have a once-for-all sacrifice. But the Old Testament was still based on faith through grace, in the sense that God gave people the grace to present an animal sacrifice instead of presenting their own lives for causing sin, for incurring the wrath of God. That is grace. Here, kill this animal and I will forgive you. Now, forgive your sins because he's a perfect judge, but he's going to forgive you as a sinner. God is a perfect judge. He cannot forgive sins. He forgives sinners. And the way that that was done throughout time from Adam until Jesus Christ is through a propitiatory sacrifice because of his grace. He's a gracious judge. He's a perfect judge, but he's also a gracious judge that allows propitiatory payment through a sacrifice. So it's always been the same thing, but the thing that deviated was this Babylonian system, which began with the rabbis and the schools and all these things. All these things happened in Babylon. I cover it quite in depth in the in the study. So go check it out. But the whole idea of now, what, why is that important? Well, because Babylon reckoned their time from the evening. I have a whole Sabbath series I'm about to get started on after I finish this uh, Trinity series. So anyway, you might you might be watching this video in the future. So go check out my Sabbath series. I'm going to cover this in great detail and show you proof upon proof that the Hebrews and Israelites reckoned the day from the morning. That all of this stuff with the, the evening, the day beginning and evening, this is a Babylonian deception. You are aligning with Talmudic Jews who have their traditions from Babylon and calling yourself a Christian. And so you have to be you have to be very discerning. Again, folks, when we're dealing with stuff centered around the Old Testament, the Jews, the Sabbath, all these things, you run into a lot of misinformation and a lot of legalism, just a lot of misinformation out there. So anyway, this is false news, fake news, fake news. Sabbath is not... Sabbath is on the seventh day, but it begins at sunrise because all days always begin at sunrise. All right, this next one's from <clears throat> Leo J. Mullins. Why is there no mention of the Eucharist? 
In condemnation of Catholicism, this tells me clearly that this video is not the full truth. My gosh. See, this is, this is just so silly because if you've watched any of my stuff, you know how much I talk about Catholicism. My entire end time series, the first 10 episodes are just about the millennial kingdom. But once you get to like episode 11, all the way through episode 34, there's always a mention of the Catholic system, which is a lot. In all my news updates, I focus a lot on the Pope. I focus on the Vatican. I talk about a lot of this stuff, Christian nationalism, how it relates to all this stuff and how the Bible predicted there will be a Christian nationalist system that will pay homage to the beast, which is the Catholic papacy. So yeah, I talk about Catholicism quite a bit. In fact, in the end time series on the episode on Mystery Babylon, I talk in great depth about the Eucharist and transubstantiation and how you have books like Dignities and Duties of the Priest, page 32 through 33, written in 1600s, 1700s by a Catholic, which basically says that the priest has the power to invoke Christ into the Eucharist, that the creator is invoked by the creation. That's the power of the priest. I mean, it's just crazy. So, of course, I have rebuked and talked about these things, but you know what's funny? If you're expecting the full truth in a video, what is the full truth? How long would such a video be? Would it even be possible to create such a video? The answer is no, because the full truth, I mean, how do you measure the full truth? What is your measurement of full truth? The video is not about the Catholic system. And by the way, within the documentary of why the Jews are not God's chosen people, I talk about how the state of Israel was created by the papal efforts because they needed it to fulfill their false eschatology of the end times that is very Jewish focused. It's all part of the plan, folks. And I talk about that in the series. So that just goes to show that you didn't watch the video, my friend, Leo. Go watch the video and see for yourself what I have to say and what history has to say, really. All right, this next one is from Rick Davies, 4801. There is no Jesus in Torah. Now, the question is, do you mean the first five books or, you know, do you mean kind of more of a general sense, like the whole Old Testament, like the Tanakh? But either way, you're wrong. There is Jesus in practically every single book of the Bible. And he said so. He said, the, the, old, the, the old Testament, Moses wrote about me. The, the prophets testify of me. Meaning we can go back to the Old Testament with the revelation of the New Testament, which is something that dispensationalists and legalists and sacred name people don't do. But nonetheless, you can go back to the Old Testament with the New Testament and see countless and countless types for Christ. Joseph, Adam, Isaac, Abraham. There's just so, so many within the first five books themselves. Moses, Joshua. Well, Joshua is actually, well, Joshua, I mean, he makes an appearance in the, in the first five books. But nonetheless, there are so many types for Christ, even in the first five books. But if you don't have the revelation of the New Testament, you're lost. You're wandering a marsh that is full of shadows. And it's full of shadows for a reason, because it's designed to make you want revelation. There are things that are very unclear, like why is God plural? Why is angel of Yahweh the same as Yahweh, but he's different from Yahweh? What's going on there? Well, what's going on is God is multipersonal. 
and you don't see that very clearly until the New Testament. But if you reject the New Testament like this person probably does, he's either a legalist or he's Jewish or sacred name person, who knows. But to, to reject, I doubt that he's a Christian. I could be wrong. But again, if you're a Christian, that's a serious inconsistency for you to say, oh, there's no Jesus in the Torah. Well, how, why would you say that? The Holy Spirit wouldn't guide you to say that, especially when the Testaments, the New Testament themselves itself tells you, and Jesus tells you that the Old Testament testifies of him, that Moses wrote about him. So either you don't know your Bible or you're not a Christian, one of the two. So yeah, there is plenty of it. There are a lot of typological studies. In my episode on the Trinity, we looked at typology, Jesus in the Old Testament. Go check it out. There's other people who have massive series on typology alone. Mike Winger on YouTube does a great job with this. His series is very, very good. I watched all of it. It's like 30 episodes. Very cool. I love typology. I think it's a great thing to study. It's it's a very cool thing to study because you can see just the intelligence of God and how he weaved history together to create these pictures of Christ. It's really profound. Typology is one of my favorite things to study. So, Rick, you're wrong. Go study your Bible. All right, this next one is from the Elizabeth Ashby. I think she's going to come back a little bit too, but she says false teaching. Okay, well, what do you base that on? Because I base mine on the Bible and on history, and the Bible doesn't lie. Next one, Debbie Mills, 4547. Your, your should be with an apostrophe, by the way, but you're describing replacement theory. Interesting, but not biblical. <laughs> okay. If Paul, if Paul thought Jews were the same as Gentiles, why did they need to learn the gospel? Sadly, many will believe your rhetoric, but it's best to read and believe God's word. It has no error. Yeah, I do agree with you on the last part, Debbie. It is best to read God's word because it doesn't lie. It has no error. But what does God's word tell us? Maybe you should consult my documentary because there are dozens and dozens and dozens of scriptures that are referenced, mostly from the New Testament because that's where the new revelation is that we use to go back to the Old Testament. You don't use the Old Testament to interpret the New Testament. But I want to address this idea of replacement theory because this is a common calling card by people who are very Jewish focused, by people who are dispensationalists, who are sacred name people, all the, the people in the, the umbrella of today who are in these comments, they always either throw anti-Semitic at you or replacement theory, those the theology. Those are the top two. Now you have to know how to respond to those because they're both fake news. Replacement theology is this argument, well, you know, the church didn't replace Israel. Israel still has, you know, a, a role and, and that's just, you know, it's racist and all this kind of stuff. Of course, it's all emotional rhetoric. It's funny that she calls, she says, I, people are going to listen to my rhetoric. It's not rhetoric, it's evidence. So what you're saying is actually rhetoric because the true replacement theology, if you know your scriptures and your history, is dispensationalism. It is Jewish focused end times. That is the true replacement theology. And I address that in the documentary with proof, plenty of proof. Don't take my word on it. Take history. Take the Bible's word on it. The true replacement theology is this Jewish-focused end times view that the Jews are God's chosen people instead of the church. That's the replacement. You're replacing the bride of Christ with 
the Jews, basically. You're replacing a spiritual temple that an antichrist power will walk into, which is the church, which is the body of believers, with a physical temple that the Jews are going to rebuild. That is so different because if you're looking at the truth, which is a spiritual temple, then you will see who stepped into that temple and who sits between the cherubim, proclaim himself to be Holy Father and forgive sins and speaks infallibly. That's the Pope. But God forbid you look there. No, no, no. Look at the Jews. There's all kinds of things that were replaced by dispensationalism with physical, fleshly things instead where the Bible teaches you spiritual realities. We could go on about this, and I really go on about it in my End Time series, in the documentary. So go check it out, because the real replacement theology is dispensationalism, which again is ironic, but most of these people don't realize that. This one's from Vicki Marie, 5314. Just another false teacher who doesn't understand how to rightly divide scripture. This is another dispensationalist term, is rightly divide scripture. Well, they're going to find out. Yeah, you are going to find out, but sadly... In some sense, you won't find out because the people who believe this are being set up for a false Christ, a false millennial reign where Jesus is going to rule. It's not going to be the real Jesus if that happens. Rule in Jerusalem for a thousand literal years while he has to put his enemies under his feet. And if you're the one that points out that, hey, maybe that's not Jesus. Maybe this is the false Christ that Jesus warned about and the false Christ that the Christians in the second century and the third century who wrote the didac, warned about and thought that would come upon the world and deceive people. Maybe this is him. You're going to be one of those enemies that needs to be put under his feet. Do you see how this works? And this is why people like Vicky and all the other ones I've read so far that claim that they know how to do rightly divide scripture. You're dividing where scripture actually unites. Scripture says there is neither Jew nor Greek. And you're dividing that and saying, no, 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 there's Jew and Greek now. There's still Jew and Greek because the Jews are the God's chosen people. You're dividing where scripture unites. You're not right. You're not rightly dividing at all. So yeah, I agree. You shouldn't learn how to rightly divide scripture. But when you hear that buzzword, then you should understand that that is often used by dispensationalists because they divide everything, but they divide into error. They don't divide rightly. They divide even where scripture unites. And this is the problem. They love their charts. They love their dispensations. They love their little segments. And they divide and put everything into chunks, but it doesn't work that way. <clears throat> sure, there is division between the elect and the non-elect. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why there's the mark of the beast. That's going to be the devil's counterfeit of election. But that's been both in the Old Testament and New Testament. Even in the Old Testament, look at Israel. Israel was the chosen people to bring about the Messiah. But within that chosen people that God had not revealed yet openly what his plan of salvation was happening or what he was intending to do. But even then he reserved for himself always a remnant that would believe. Meaning within the Old Testament, you have a picture of Israel as a whole being the chosen nation that God has chosen to work in. Let's put it that way. That's a more precise description. They've been chosen and set apart from other nations for God to, to work within. But within that group that God had delineated, there was this consistent division that you see throughout history, which is believers and non-believers. The true chosen people 
are those that God reserved for himself, the elect, the remnant, which is everywhere. Look in Kings, look in Chronicles, look in the Psalms, look everywhere. It's all, the Old Testament is full of that. Now, the Old Testament doesn't reveal it to you fully, but it is full of those pictures. And when you get to the New Testament, it's very clear that God's elect are the people that he chooses to save. And that elect now is going to be part of many different types of cultures and peoples. So the circle that once contained just Israel, meaning where God is working, his plan of salvation, not saving everybody in Israel, but choosing to work within this group of people, that circle expanded as of the New Testament to the entire world, all people, all tribes, all tongues. Now, within that entire world, is everybody saved? No, you still have a smaller circle within that bigger circle of the actual elect people that God has chosen to save. It's always been the same thing. The difference is the circle is just bigger. So, yeah, Vicki, you're wrong, and you need to understand how to rightly not to divide Scripture because you're dividing it too much. Okay, this next one is from user ee. 4FT7FF1U or something, I don't know. What man says about this subject is not important. What God says is, I agree. What God says is clear. Hath God cast away his people? God forbid, God hath not cast away his people. Again, see Romans 11. They, they cite to you Romans 11 and go watch the Romans 11 study on my end time series. Romans 11 is not talking about a future thing. Paul is not talking about a future revival of the Jewish Rothschild state of Israel. He is talking about his present time and the realities that are happening with the gospel going out and what's going on with Israel. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about a future. It's not a prophecy, plain and simple. That's the point. It's not a prophecy. Okay, moving on. God hath not cast away his people. Yes, yes, the majority of Israel has departed from the truth. But God is able to graft them in again. And that blindness is part happened to until Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. Romans eleven twenty five. This is foretold in the Old Testament, for example, in Ezekiel 11. So after man has said and written his ideas, has tried to explain away God's decrees, we can be certain that all Israel shall be saved. Okay. Hey. So, when you are going to cite Paul, especially on his attitudes towards Israel, you have to be fair to Paul's writings because Paul has many places where he paints the picture of Israel as a spiritual conglomerate, not as specifically talking. Now, sometimes he's specifically talking about Israel as in the nation of Israel, the, the people of Israel of his time, but other times, often even within the same sentence of using the word twice, for example, Romans 9, 6 or 9, 5, I forget which one, not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel or are of Israel. Within that same sentence, you have two usages of the word Israel. Not all who are descended of Israel, i.e. the actual physical Israel, belong to Israel. Wait a minute, how does that make any sense? Well, it makes sense because the second usage refers to a spiritual reality, the Israel of God, Galatians 6, verse 16. 
So he talk he makes mention of this throughout his writings to other letters as well, including Romans. Romans especially is is actually again I go back go back and watch that video Romans eleven part of my end time series. You'll learn the truth because a lot of people don't bother to exegete these things, meaning to to dive deep in scripture and look at context. And a lot of people will pull this Roman. You'll see you see the the trend now. So far, this has been used I think two or three times. Romans 11, Romans 11, he's not cast off his people. Well, again, what assumptions are you making? If the Jews are still God's chosen people, what does that mean? How many Jews have died in the last 2,000 years in total rebellion and sin? Countless. What does that say about God if he's let his chosen people die in sin? It tells you that they're not the chosen people because God can't lie and God cannot fail. John 6, one of the best chapters on predestination and election. What does Jesus tell you? He tells you that no man can come to him unless the Father draws that person, grants that person, and teaches that person. Meaning there is a prerequisite for God to do something for you to come to Christ. He also says that it is the will of the Father. He loses nobody that the Father gives him, but that he raises them up on the last day. Now, that is an important chain of events. Jesus raises up everybody who the Father gives him. Is everybody going to be resurrected to the resurrection of glory? No. Did the Father give everybody to Jesus? No. So that means that the people who Jesus receives are are sure in their salvation, they'll be resurrected, and he will not lose them. But now, if the Jews are still God's chosen people, according to this view, and countless have died throughout history in their sins, that means that God has given these people to Christ and he's lost them. Do you see Do you see what assumptions you're taking on and why these things are so problematic? They really are heretical to think these things. And of course, I'm not accusing anybody of being a heretic, but we can hold very dangerous beliefs in our mind and we have to examine them. That's why you have to look at the evidence, man. So Romans 11 is not about the future. So go watch that episode. You will learn a lot, I promise. This next one's from Nancy Swass slash JV4KP. I'm going to say it's because you don't know scripture. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, what are you basing that on? Okay, if, if that's your claim that I don't know scripture, please tell me out of the hour and 20 minute documentary and of the... I don't know how many dozens of scriptural references and countless historical pieces of evidence that I present. Please pick at least one and tell me why you disagree with it and give me counter evidence as to why I don't understand. That would be nice. Serdic 64 says, I really like the video. Just one thing though. It sounds as if you believe in the Trinity, which is a Catholic lie. Also, I know that the Bible... I know what the Bible says about being a Jew and the verses you showed about there is no Jew or Gentile. That's good. And a Jew is one inwardly. Those are two contradicting verses unless I don't see it. The Bible has been messed with, has been messed with, emphasis on has. Then where then where you said God came in the flesh, he didn't. This is his son that came. Oh, gosh. That all has the attributes of the father and has been given all authority. There's so much in this comment. I'm glad I picked it out. There is so much to talk about in this comment. First off, the the Trinity is not a Catholic lie. It's really not. That said, 
the Catholics and the Eastern Orthodox, primarily, because that's most of the Trinitarian world, believe in a monarchical understanding, mostly the Eastern Orthodox, they believe in a monarchical understanding of the Trinity. And that is wrong. I go that I go over that in my series. It's a it's a subordinationist type of understanding. Now, of course, it's not full on subordinationist because they, they they navigate subordinationism very cleverly with philosophy and conjectures. But it is subordinationist. If you understand church history, if you understand, and I go over all this in my in my episode on monarchical trinitarianism, but. Catholic Catholicism is kind of a little less than that, but they still espouse this idea of Jesus being begotten in the sense of like eternally begotten, kind of emanating from the Father, being generated in eternity past. It's it's a philosophical conjecture because begotten was interpreted by subordinationists who believed that Jesus was less than God, which is what you're reflecting here, Serdic. You're reflecting a subordinationist view that Jesus is not equal with God. He's some kind of God, but he's maybe different than God, or maybe he's a manifestation of God, or he's just something, but he's not God. He, he's not equal with the Father. This is what you're reflecting, and that's subordinationism. It was, de it was declared a heresy, and the church compromised and kind of came up with some of these, like, eternally begotten, because begotten doesn't have to do anything with God, with Jesus being eternally spirated or generated from God the Father. It has everything to do with Jesus the Christ being the chosen vessel for God to reveal himself through in this life and to be the high priest, to, to do various things. He's the only begotten, meaning he's the, he's the one that God has chosen for you to worship and to, to reveal himself through. Because remember, when you're dealing with the, the incarnation, you're dealing with two natures. You're dealing with the divine nature, and you're dealing with the human nature. This makes this makes understanding verses about Jesus and the Son of God, the Son of Man, which I go all over this in my, in my Trinity series, a great series on this if you want to be edified. It makes understanding these things a little more complex. Jesus has a very complex identity. It's a beautiful identity, but it's very complex. And if you don't study it in context, and you aren't able to handle the mystery because you need to put Jesus in a box somewhere. This is the problem with most heresies. They reduce the mystery, especially when you're dealing with like the Trinity or the Incarnation. Anything to, to reduce the mystery because we can't handle the cognitive dissonance of a mystery. So the, the, the Trinity is not a Catholic lie. That said, Catholics and Orthodox do not understand the Trinity correctly, completely correctly, especially Orthodox. The monarchical understanding of the Trinity is very wrong. It is a heresy because of its suppositions. And I go over why that is. I know those are heavy words. So if you're Orthodox, don't feel I'm attacking you. You need to learn the truth. Go watch that episode. It's a very interesting episode. If you like church history, if you like theology, if you like this kind of stuff, you want to get to the truth, go watch that episode. It's not a Catholic lie. But this, this guy also says, um, uh, how does it about being a Jew in the verses you showed about there's no Jew or Gentile. And yet the, Paul also says to be a Jew is one inwardly. Yeah, of course, that's what I'm talking. That's what I mentioned with the last comment, which is Paul uses terms very differently, often sometimes within the same sentence. That's why you need context. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Now, when he says that, he's using the word Jew as Jew, as what it actually was. 
people from Judea, Israelites, Jews, people of the physical nation of Israel. Okay. When he says there is neither Jew nor Greek, he is painting a picture that there is unity in Christ. So pay attention, dispensationalists, because you don't read your New Testament. But later when he says to be a Jew is one inwardly, I forget the exact verses, but when he says to be a Jew is one inwardly, he's not talking about reinstating the old definitions. He's trying to convey the idea that, listen, this new reality to be the chosen, right? To be God's chosen people is not a matter of the flesh. It's a matter of the heart about being born again, circumcision of the heart, not of the flesh. Circumcision was a physical type and shadow for being born again in the New Testament. This is why, again, it's so important to use the New Testament and really study the New Testament in relationship to the Old Testament, as opposed to the other way around, where you're going back to the Old Testament and you, you'll notice, as you'll see, all these people either use the Old Testament to support their ideas, or they will quote to you the New Testament in terms of the Old Testament, which is just, it's all backwards. But again, Surtic, you have to go back and see the context of these verses, because there is neither Jew nor Greek in the new reality. And to be a Jew, i.e. the chosen person, is to be one that is born again. But wait a minute, you can't control being born again. So that also is important because God chooses who is born again and gives you that grace and gives you that gift. It's a gift, not something that you control. Now, let's see, he said some other things too. He said, those are two contradicting verses unless I don't see it. Okay, the Bible has been messed with. No, it has not been messed with. You have to look. So much to talk about in this one little comment. This is, again, but I, I use it because a lot of people bring up this type of stuff, and you should know how to respond to these things. The Bible's been messed with. You can't try. I've heard even so-called Christians say this, that, you know, you just can't really, the Bible's just kind of a collection of stories we don't really know is written by men. Well, look, you don't have the right view of Scripture. The Bible itself testifies of itself that it is the written, inspired Word of God. All Scripture is God-breathed. 2 Timothy to 13. Gosh, I don't know. I, I'm so bad with some of these verses, but it's in Timothy. All scripture is God-breathed. So if the Bible itself testifies of itself that way, and you claim to be a Christian that's born by the Holy Spirit, but you are denying the testimony of the Holy Spirit, of himself, of, of his work through the scriptures, that is either an inconsistency that you have, or you are not born again. A true born-again believer values scripture as the authority above all things, as the word of God. Very, very important. So when you say the Bible has been messed with, you have to check your heart. Because yes, has it been curated? Absolutely. But you know why it was curated? Because there were a lot of heresies and Gnosticism and subordinationism and denying the incarnation and all kinds of stuff in the first couple centuries. It's normal to curate all these people who are basically writing their own version of Jesus to deceive people and to come to a statement of faith and, and realize, okay, what, what is it that we believe? What does the Bible tell us? Which one, which texts are not inspired? Obviously. Yeah. Like the Apocrypha is not inspired. You know why? Because the Apocrypha is inconsistent with the rest of the Bible. The Old Testament tells you not to have any dealings with the dead. Don't pray to the dead. Don't, don't offer to the dead. Don't do anything like that. 
Well, the Apocrypha, which was written after Micah, they're historical texts, but they, they're not inspired, unless you're the Catholic Church, you believe that they're part of your Bible. That's another can of worms. But nonetheless, the Apocrypha has instances where people are praying for the dead and hoping that, the, that God will have mercy on them after they've died. That is completely contradictory to the scriptures. And so obviously we know the Holy Spirit doesn't contradict himself, meaning that those are not inspired. We don't include them in the Bible. That's not messing with the Bible. That is curating it for the sake of truth. Now, another important point is this. Do you believe in a sovereign God or do you believe in the Illuminati or the, you know, whatever, the elites, the deep state? Do you believe, which one do you believe has control over reality? If you answered A, sovereign God, then you are correct, born-again Christian. And if that's the case, then you should not worry about rumors or situations or translation issues. Now, of course, there are certain translations like the Passion Translation or the Message Bible, which you should avoid, like the plague, because they're false. But ESV, KJV, there's plenty of great translations out there, and the Bible is the Word of God, whether you're reading it in English or in Japanese or whatever else, you have to trust that a sovereign God has in his good pleasure and wisdom for the revealing of his glory, kept the necessary information that we need to know. Do we know everything? No, we don't. We don't have everything that's ever happened. We don't need to. But the things that we do need to know about Jesus, to know how to get saved, to know about God, who he is, his character, to know his plan for salvation, to know prophecy and what's coming. All of these things that are essential for your faith have been preserved by God. Nobody has touched them in a way that you would, would deceive you from not knowing the truth. Now, of course, we are in the end times, and we are in the end of the end times, and there is a lot of deception. There are people who twist the word of God, like dispensationalism and preterism, to deceive you. So yeah, you should be wary and you should study, but the, the but the point is this, the evidence is there. You can learn the truth. It's not beyond your ability. You just have to study. And of course, I've done the work for you through my end time series, through the things that I create, so that you don't have to go and study for hundreds of hours to learn the truth or listen to various perspectives to discern which one is true and which one is not. I've done that for you and I've documented everything so that you cannot be deceived. But Anyway, moving on. Last part is, then you said that God came in the flesh. He didn't. That is his son that came, okay, that has all the attributes of the Father and has been given all authority. So you see, there's a distinction here between, there's a distinction here between the Father and the Son that he's making. He's saying, well, he's that's not God that came in the flesh. That's, you know, his Son. Well, what does that mean to you? Are you a Mormon? Because Mormons say the Son of God, but they mean something very different. I talk about this in my Trinity and my Trinity <laughs> Trinity series, not Trinity end times, but Trinity. In fact, it should be maybe in some sense Trinity is part of the end times because a lot of people are apostatizing from this core Christian belief. There's so many people I've realized that are subordinations in their views, binatarians, unitarians, modalists. It's crazy. The Trinity is a core Christian belief, and there's a very good reason for that. It all has to do with plan of salvation, God's nature, the revelation of God. And ultimately, this whole idea, well, his son came, and he has the attributes of the Father. What does that mean? What, what does that actually mean? 
you're making a, a distinction where the son is different than the father ontologically. Now, Jesus tells you, I go over this in my Trinity series quite a bit, that you must honor the son as you honor the father. Are you honoring the son as you honor the father when you say that no, that wasn't God in the flesh. That was just his son who had the attributes. What does that mean, what you're saying? It means you're not honoring the son as you're honoring the father. Furthermore, I would want to bring your attention to Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, where the speaker is Almighty God, who says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, I'm the first and the last. Of course, if you read your Old Testament, you should know that that's something that is said by Yahweh, Countless times, Isaiah, plenty of situations there. But that is something that Yahweh says. He's the first, he's the last. It is a statement of his self-existence. He was the first in the sense that he was before all things, not that he was created, but he was before all things. And he's the last, meaning he's going to outlive everybody. Now, of course, we're all going to live with him for eternity, but that's what it's saying. He is the first and the last. But now 10 verses later, you have a real problem with your beliefs because Jesus is the one speaking in Revelation 1, chapter 17 through 18. And Jesus says, I am the first and the last. He also says that, by the way, in Revelation towards the end, I believe it's um, chapter 21 or 22. He says it again. He's the one on the throne. He's the one that's made all things new. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the one that wipes your tears away. He's the one that's with you. God, the dwelling place of God is with man. And they will see his face, his singular face, and he himself, singular, will be their God. I talk about all of this in my Trinity series, especially in the chapter on uh, triune monarchy, to, to learn the truth of what's happening in the end times when Jesus returns. The triune God, Yahweh, will rule through the body of the Christ. That was the plan, the entire point of creation is for you to experience and see God in physical form. God is a tri-personal being. Jesus is God. Jesus entered, I should say, the son of the triune being entered reality through Jesus Christ. And this is why the incarnation is such a mystery, because you're actually dealing with two mysteries. You have the human and divine nature, which alone is it's a mystery. But the divine nature was is triune, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So the triune God entered reality through the Son. The Son did his work, ascended. He's ruling in heaven right now. When he returns, he destroys all evil. He destroys death. And then creation is remade. We have resurrected bodies, the Holy Spirit's in, in all of us and all of creation. And the triune God will rule through the body of Christ. When you look at Christ, you will see Yahweh, the God of the universe, the God of the Old Testament. Jesus is God. So this whole idea that Jesus is different than God or that he has the attributes, what does that actually mean? The answer is that it means nothing. And you need to learn your Bible and learn your theology because you are in very dangerous waters, my friend. He who denies the Son does not have the Father. That's what the Bible tells you, the New Testament. So you have to be very careful when you are espousing such beliefs. Okay, this next one comes from Averill. Our good old friend, Averill Rocks. Gotta love those three Zs at the end. 622. Please, let's love, our, let's love also our friend Jews. The Jews in Israel has a right to exist. Stop spreading hatred if you're a Christian. I'm not spreading hatred. Maybe you work for Medium, Averill. But either way, I'm not spreading hatred. I'm spreading the truth. And the truth 
is ugly because we live in a world that is ruled by Satan. Now, of course, Jesus is the actual one ruling, but for the time being, before Satan gets kicked out, he's, you know, doing his thing. And this world is full of deception and lies and evil. And part of that is twisting God's word in order to suit an agenda. So when you expose that, of course, to the world, you will seem hateful and evil. So moving on. God's covenant with, this is from uh, Rise Up Unafraid, 4614. God's covenant with Abraham is an everlasting covenant. And God says he will never forget Israel. Folks, you don't want to be on the wrong side of, ap- on the, wrong side of the apple of God's eye. <laughs> yes, you know what, in some sense, I agree with you. I actually agree with you, but I'm going to put a very large asterisk there. You don't want to be on the wrong side of the apple of God's eye, which is, who is it? As of the New Testament, what's the new revelation? The people that he's chosen to save through the Holy Spirit and give a new heart to. Those who are born again are the people who inherit the earth with Christ. Not the Jews, not Israel, not the state of Israel, not anybody else. There's no promises made to anybody outside of Christ. I go over this in the documentary. The promise, God made land promises, but those were conditional. The ultimate promise that Abraham would be a blessing to all nations was fulfilled in Christ. Christ is the offspring, singular, of Abraham. Paul tells you this. He, he was a, Paul was like a Pharisee. He was a studier of the law. So if Paul tells you that what God meant in the Old Testament by offspring is Jesus, that the promise was made to Christ, meaning all those who are in Christ can be benefactors of that promise because we inherit the earth with Christ. If Paul, who is a Jewish Pharisee, of course, he's from, I believe, the tribe of Benjamin, but nonetheless, Israelite, Pharisee, student of the law, zealot for the law, until he got converted, if he's telling you that God's promise is to Jesus, it's to the Messiah, to the offspring of Abraham, and you're insisting that the promise is a promise to people who can't really even be identified reliably as being related to the Semitic peoples of the Old Testament, then you are not in line with the New Testament. You're not reading your Bible. You're stuck in the Old Testament, which is the case for most people. So yeah, it, it, it is something to be worried about to be on the wrong side of the wrong side of history, really, meaning get right with God, be born again, submit your life to Christ, trust in the Holy Spirit, trust in Christ to lead you, trust in God, and you will have a new heart. That's how you get on the apple of God's eye. But again, that's not something you can control because God chooses to work in people's lives at different times. And ultimately, if this is convicting you, then maybe that's a sign that God is choosing to work in your life. This one's from Tressa Bowles, 5817. But they are God's chosen people. Maybe not who calls themselves Jewish now, because the word does say that there are those who call themselves Jews, but are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. So yeah, Tressa, so again, you have to use the New Testament for context. What does Paul tell you? What does it mean to be a Jew in this New Testament? It means that you are a born-again believer. Now, the New Testament also warns you of false converts. There are many parables 
about false converts, the five foolish and wise virgins, the wheat and the tares, the good fish, bad fish, sheep and the goats, parable of the sower. There are so many warnings against false converts. False converts was like the thing to watch out for in John's letters, in Paul, everywhere, everywhere you look, Jesus' parables. And so when you use the context of the New Testament, and when you interpret that, when you interpret in Revelation, which is at the end of the New Testament, so you need all that context beforehand, and Revelation tells you that there are those who say they're Jews, but they're not. Is that talking about Jewish physical Jewish people? Is that what God is really worried about? Considering all of the revelation he's chosen to give you about false converts to Christianity, considering that the chosen people of God, which are the church, are the central focus of the end times, considering that all the New Testament is about believers and being born again and being with Christ, that's the main thing to be concerned about. And so when you see the mention about the, the synagogue of Satan, is that talking about the Jews, like the actual Jews, just like a mention, like, okay, he knows there's Jews that are, who cares if they're pretending to be Jews? That has no impact. Do you see the point? I hope you do, because if, if Jews here means, well, they're pretending to be Jews, but they're actually synagogue of Satan. Well, who cares? They're damned either way. But if the Jew, if the word Jew here means those who are part of God's chosen people, meaning the real chosen people, the church, those who are born again, as the way Paul uses the term in Romans, forget which chapter now, but he uses that term to mean those who are born again. If that's what that means, then can you see the importance of knowing that these people are actually false converts? They're actually the synagogue of Satan, meaning they belong to the devil. Very, very important. So again, you have to use context because the Bible warns you about false converts, specifically in terms of the end times, a counterfeit that's going to come into the body of Christ, the temple, and proclaim itself to be God. And yet, that counterfeit is the synagogue of Satan. Very interesting. Avril, coming back. As a Christian, I love my Jewish friends. Please stop spreading hatred to Jews. I'm not, Avril. Please, please, please watch my documentary. So you can learn the truth and stop being so woke. Okay. Leslie Crawford, 1336. God's chosen are his elect. True. There are 7,000 of God's very elect and including the 12,000. Here we go with the literal interpretation. There are 444,000 total of tribes. Those tribes, they, they are his chosen because they are, they will be priests to him. And I'm totally butchering this comment, but you get the idea. This is, again, this is literal understanding. Like, okay, dude. 144,000 is not a lot of people. That's not at all what it's talking about. 144,000 is a number of completion. People use numbers very differently than they used them, that we use them today. We don't use, we don't tend to use numbers very symbolically today. But in John's time, they used that quite a bit, especially if you were having a vision, which visions are very symbolic and allegorical and metaphorical. So, you have to think in terms of symbols. Ten, a thousand is 10 cubed, meaning 10 times 10 times 10. Three and 10 are numbers of like fulfillment and completion and fullness. So a thousand is like extra fullness. So is 12. 
and all the different tribes, meaning all types of people that God has chosen to save from different places on the earth, from China, from Africa, from Japan, from Europe, from America, from Israel. There are Jews among the current population that will be saved, absolutely, but probably not many, which is going by the numbers. Now, this next one is from Linda Diaz, Linda Diaz, 3268. As an old woman, I urge everyone not to believe everything you are told. We are all living in a time of deception. Use your discernment, decrement, discernment of the Holy Spirit. Pray daily and trust the word of God. Yeah, I agree. And as a young man, I urge everybody to go by the evidence. Although I'm kind of middle-aged now. Gosh, time flies, man. Turning 40 pretty soon. That's just crazy. But anyway, as a young man or a middle-aged man, whatever you want to call me, I urge you to go by the evidence. I urge you to go by the evidence. Don't go by your feelings. There is a lot of deception. There's a lot of discernment. I agree with this statement, but I know that this statement is, the subtext here is that whatever I posted and presented through this documentary is a deception. So that's the subtext. But my point to you is, yeah, I agree in the sense that there is a lot of deception, especially now. So you have to, how do you know if it's a deception or not? You have to go with the evidence, not with what other people are teaching you. Go with the evidence, plain and simple. Ryan M. Alfred, 3167. If that be the case, then what about Revelation 7, 1 through 8? Yeah, what about it? Again, it's, it's the, the 144,000. 144,000 are symbolic of people being saved from every tribe and tongue. It's not talking about 144 literal thousand, 144,000 literal Jews from the state of Israel that are going to make it. It's not like the, the Bible is a profound book of spiritual consequences. And, and especially when you're dealing with visions, you're looking at symbols of greater spiritual truths to reduce these things to like low hanging fruit of, okay, well, I guess we have 144,000. We got to watch out for literal Jews that are going to get saved. Like this is just so childish. It really just shows your lack of appreciation for the finer things and for the subtle things which you have to rightly divide scripture for, right? Water Bottles 4744 says, LOL, what a hoot of a comedy show. Can you do one on why Jesus is not the real Messiah? My gosh, you know, it goes to show you how emotional and how invested emotionally these people are in their beliefs to where they would equate somebody presenting you with truth. It's not like I just made a statement. I made a, an hour and 20 minute documentary that I spent, again, probably about 200 hours of preparation on, and more if you consider all the studying that I've done on this particular topic, to present you with ample scripture, ample history, that you can go fact check. I posted all my references that you can go fact check. Everything is transparent. For you to come and say that some a claim like this, which argues for the sovereignty of God, the purity of the gospel, of rightly dividing scripture and not dividing where it unites, of being true to the word, especially the New Testament, to say that all of that, somebody who is attempting to do that, is equivalent to denying the divinity of Christ. It shows how utterly clueless you are. It really just does. You are utterly clueless if you are making a connection between those two things because they're, they're not at all the same thing. But anyway, that's dispensationalism for you. Heidi has your major 7189. 
Romans 9 through 11 in half of the Old Testament tells us the truth. Yeah, it does. In fact, the whole Bible tells you the truth. Of course, not the truth that you're pointing to, but Romans 9 through 11 does tell you the truth. And Romans in other places, and Galatians, and Colossians, and Corinthians, and all the letters that Paul wrote, Ephesians, go, go read them a little bit and see what they have to say. The Old Testament also tells you the truth when it tells you that most of apostate Israel was destroyed and that you had a remnant that God had chosen to save. Now, from the Old Testament, you don't gather the nature of that salvation because it's not clear on purpose. You don't gather that God chose to redeem those people by giving them the ability to believe and be faithful and stay persevering in their faith to God and not whore after other gods. He was the one that was responsible for that. But you don't get that from the Old Testament. Not obviously. You need the light of the New Testament that gives glory to God for salvation in a more profound way that you don't really get in the Old Testament, which is revealing to you that those who are saved and those who persevere compared to their brethren who fall away are, are so because God has chosen to give them a new heart. That is the revelation of the entire Bible, that you cannot choose the good, and God has to supernaturally change your heart. Therefore, he gets the full credit and glory, and you get the, the peace and the joy and the eternal security in the outcome. That's the, the not the trade-off, but that's the, the dance. That's the relationship that we get. The moment you change that relationship and say, no, I had faith, it robs glory from God, and it robs peace from you, because now you have to maintain your salvation, because those who fall away did so because they're free will, not because God didn't actually save them. See the problem? Whole can of worms with that, but ultimately, yeah, Romans 9 through 11 and the whole Bible testifies to this truth. Go watch the documentary. There's plenty of scripture to reference. Raymond Bastian, L-I-6-C-O, says, the Jew God is not who you think he is. The Jew worships Yehweh, yes. Yes, look up Jesus versus Yahweh and did Jesus worship Yahweh and Jesus is India. Jesus in India, parts one through five, especially five, incredible knowledge. Now this is the telling, the telling red flag is incredible knowledge. Well, if you think that there is better knowledge outside the Bible, then you are not a born again Christian. You're not, sorry to break it to you. And by the way, it's not Yahweh, it's Yahweh or Yahweh. And in fact, if you want to be really legalist about it, it's eye asher eye, or in Greek, ego e which is I am the being one. I am the source of all things. That is God's name revealed to Moses. The, the acronym of YHWH is not what God actually said. It's an acronym that kind of encompasses what God actually said. So if we're going to be really accurate about it. But nonetheless, Jesus is not only worshiping Yahweh, he is Yahweh. Read Revelation 1, 17 through 18. I am the first and the last. Only Yahweh says that in the Old Testament. Now, if you've read the Old Testament, and you've read the Bible all the way through, then you will know that the Bible is actually quite consistent. Yahweh, This idea that Yahweh is a different God than Jesus, this is a Gnostic lie. It's been around since the beginning. This is why I said you'll see the patterns of error with this, and they're not new. Ecclesiastes uh, 1 verse 9, nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun, man. It's the same old stuff. So Gnosticism has been around 
for a very long time. In fact, the movie Matrix was a Gnostic idea. In fact, if you saw the most recent Matrix, like the third one or whatever the, the final one was, it was just full on Gnostic religion, like spirituality, crazy. It was like, ugh, not at all as cool as the first one. First one was much more subtle and intriguing, but as you get more and more into these episodes, you see the spiritual beliefs of these people. And so the same is with this, the idea that Yahweh is different than Jesus and Jesus. No, Jesus is the manifestation of Yahweh entering reality through the Christ, through the chosen vessel of Jesus of Nazareth, through the Son. And when Yahweh returns, when Jesus returns, Yahweh will rule through Jesus as a triune being, triune monarchy. Go check out my episode in the Trinity. You'll learn the truth and stop looking after secret knowledge. Okay. Al, Al in Hingen finished. I can't even read this. All in high definition. There we go. Another YouTuber looking for views to get money from YouTube. These people are like a plague here on YouTube. You know, I'm going to show you something really funny because I pulled it up just for this comment. This is my comments or this is my uh, income from YouTube. $26. 26 bucks, man. Almost 27, actually, if you count. I mean, if you round up 77 cents, 27 bucks in however long that's taken, probably not even a couple months. But either way, this video that you are commenting about, which is the why Jews are not God's chosen people, it's not even monetized. I can prove it to you. I'll put it on the screen. It's not even monetized. So I'm not making any money from all the views I'm getting, which by the way, are not that many views. I'm not making any money from that. And the money that I am making from this YouTube channel is nothing. It's like I could go out on the street in one day, probably beg for money and get way more than that. Much easier than sitting down and making hours and hours of YouTube videos and studying you know, hours and hours of prep and, and working all these different projects to bring them to the public. So to make this kind of accusation just shows that you really don't know what you're talking about. And again, if you knew anything about anything, you probably wouldn't make this comment either because this is the truth. My goal is to present you with the truth that you wake up, not to make money. Of course, yeah, it's nice to be supported so that I can sustain myself and do what I need to do. That's why I went to Substack and I have a membership program for people who really want to reference all my things. But most of my stuff is free. If you want like my courses and books and, and all this kind of stuff, then yeah, pay five bucks a month. Ugh. Those things cost me thousands of dollars an hours of work. I think it's fair. I think it's a fair trade-off and I don't plan on upping that anytime soon. Maybe not at all, because I think it's a reasonable price for all the work that you're getting. But nonetheless, this person doesn't know anything about anything. So shame on you. YK9705 says, you need to take it up with God. You don't understand the Torah. Well, I did take it up with God and I pray before I do these types of projects that God gives me discernment and that I am presented with all the things that I need to know so that I can present you with the truth. And so I do take it up with God. I do very much take it up with God in prayer and I study the word of God and I try my best to study and show myself approved because I like to go where the evidence points me to. I don't believe based on emotion or rhetoric or tradition, since you seem to be citing Torah. Now, I don't know if you mean Tanakh or if you mean just the five, first five books, but in either case, you're wrong. Like we said with the other guy who cited the Torah, there are 
many, many, many pictures of Christ, even just in the first five books. Adam, Noah, Joseph, Abraham, Isaac, Moses. There's so many. There's so many. But because you reject the revelation of the New Testament, I'm guessing, because otherwise you wouldn't have made a comment like this, then you would understand that all those things are a picture of Christ. The Jews are not God's chosen people. God is not so fickle that he chooses people based on the flesh. He chose people to redeem, and those people have a new heart, a new covenant, which was announced, by the way, in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel, in Jeremiah. It's announced all over the place that the covenant is coming where God is going to renew your spirit, resurrect you spiritually, give you a new heart, and make you believe, make you obey through his spirit by giving you a new life. That's the new covenant. But if you reject the New Testament, what do you have? You have nothing. You have death because the law points you to death. And that's by design because you'll never be able to meet the law. And unless you realize that the law is pointing you to the solution, which is Christ, then you have death. You have nothing. So repent and trust in Christ. Thurston for more. <laughs> nice. To Abraham, God said, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them. Curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Yeah. Who thumbs down, by the way? He said thumbs down. Boy, ouch, you got to even thumb down it, man. Listen, yeah, he did say that. No contest. But who did he say that for? Who did Yahweh say that for? Do you understand what's going on? Because you obviously don't. Uh, the Apostle Paul appropriated these words to Jesus. So do you think you know more than the Apostle Paul, who was an Israelite and a Pharisee and a student of the law, who was very much involved in the times and these particular words. But of course, people today do not rightly divide scripture, even though they claim to. The, bl the blessing that will bless all families on the earth is Christ. It's the gospel. Now, let's compare that with what you believe, which is the Jews. Have the Jews blessed people on earth? They've been a blessing to all the families on the earth? Oh, goodness. Watch the documentary to see just how much of a blessing they've been. And again, that's not an anti-Semitic thing. It's not hate, it's not hate speech, it's not anything. Because like any other group of people, they have not been born again. Once you're born again and you're truly born again, you are a blessing to other people. Of course, we all have sin and we have things we struggle with. But until you're born again, you are living in rebellion and sin. Any group of people, whether they're Jews or non-Jews or Africans or Chinese or whatever else who are not born again are not a blessing to anybody. Because, of course, God will use it for the good, always for the people he's chosen to save. But until you're born again, how can you bless anybody? You're antichrist. You're fighting against God. You're in rebellion. And the Jews are no different. Of course, you know your history, then they're, spe they're specifically, especially uh, indicted on that particular thing. But nonetheless, you got to learn your history, dude. Averill, she's back. Stop being anti-Jews. I'm crying, emoji, 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 and it hurts. I'm sorry that it hurts, Averill. Babe, please stop. I, I just, I can't get my head out of that meme. But anyway. Look, I'm sorry that you're crying. Maybe you're not crying. Maybe you're just a troll. But it is what it is. You learn your history. 
Fish for man 61. First thing Jesus repeated to his disciples about the end times, be not, be ye not deceived. Most deception is woven in with truth very skillfully. So it's interesting that they use the old English, which again, it should be kind of an eyebrow raise to you because a lot of legalists and KJV only people use, you know, old English. It's like, why don't you just say it in normal English, dude? Yeah, Jesus told you not that you should not be deceived in the end. Be be wary. Watch out. But most deception is woven in with truth very skillfully. Yeah, most deception is woven in with truth very skillfully. That's why dispensationalism is so deadly. Although, if you really understand your Bible, you see that it, there's not that much truth about it. But it weaves present realities that seem true, and it weaves them with deception. Oh, there's a state of Israel. Oh my gosh, maybe that's, you know, prophetic because... It seems that the Jews are the chosen people. But if you don't read in context, that's you're gonna you're gonna go for the low-hanging fruit. You're gonna go for the obvious explanation. And of course, the Bible speaks of spiritual things, so many spiritual things. But if you're looking for low-hanging fruit and your eyes are of the flesh, then you will believe the wrong things. So yeah, be ye not deceived. So that's why I create the things that I create, so that you aren't deceived. That's my whole mission in life especially well-meaning Christians that are very deceived on certain topics, like this particular one. I don't want you to be deceived because the end is near. User EEF4Foot7FTF1 whatever, random thing. We must take the Old Testament, we must take the Old and the New together as equals. An interpretation of the New Testament that contradicts the Old Testament is wrong. Again, this is false teaching, not true. Yes, you should take the New Testament and the Old Testament together. That's why they're there for you. However, there is a sequence. The New Testament is the lens that you look at the Old Testament through. You do not look at the New Testament through the Old Testament. This is the problem. And you you don't take them as equals in the sense that, well, what the New Testament said is just as equal as the Old Testament or vice versa. Yes, they are both equally the Word of God, equally authoritative, but the New Testament is the new revelation. Do you see the problem with this guy's or person's comment? I don't know if it's a woman or a man, but do you see the problem? An interpretation of the New Testament that contradicts the old is wrong. No, you're wrong. In fact, the, the New Testament fulfills the Old Testament. The New Testament tells you over and over and over again that God's plan of election is displayed through being born again, and that process is not something you can control. So God has an elect and he's predestined. And that elect was always going to be from all tribes and nations in the world, but there had to be a way to go about it. And the way was to give the plan to the Jews so they would reject it. So there'd be a precedent to give it to the nations. It's all by design. It's, it's really, truly brilliant. But nonetheless, the true people of God has always been the group of believers that have been redeemed by God and given the ability to believe. That's the plan. And when you go back to the Old Testament with that knowledge, you, you see that it makes sense. Abraham, the remnant, Moses, all these people that were faithful were faithful because God had chosen to regenerate their heart. Moses told God to go find somebody else five times. Did you know that? Five excuses Moses is famous for. Did God allow that? No, because God had chosen to work with Moses and to redeem him and to give him the ability to carry out his belief. And in fact, Moses says 
on one occasion, I forget where exactly in the Deuteronomy or maybe numbers, but he, he says, just so you know, it's not been of my accord to do this. <laughs> Meaning he acknowledges that all the things that are happening are, are happening through him, through the power of God. Which again, if you have the revelation of the New Testament, you understand a little deeper about what's going on. So yeah, this whole idea of weighing the New and the Old Testament together equally, and you can't contradict each other, what that does is it prevents you from using the New Testament as a light to go back to the Old Testament, which is what you're supposed to do and interpret things. So no, you're wrong. Victoria, Victoria with a yaw at the end, so they're probably a sacred name. Shalom, brother. Yeah, definitely sacred name. Purveyor of truth. Thank you. Please do. Please also consider using the Most High and the Messiah true names we were all commanded to. What did I tell you? Sacred name. Yahweh El Shaddai is his holy name. Yahoshua Hamashiach is the only name above all other names. I tell you this out of love. Thank you, but I don't need that kind of love. Remember, not one jot or tittle. Jesus is the name that will be used to deceive even the elect. Oh my goodness. I talk about... Okay. I talk about this in my end time series on the mark of the beast. There are actually a lot of things to respond to this, but particularly in my end time series, there's on the episode of the mark of the beast... I cover two examples of how not to interpret the mark of the beast so that you see through their error, again, the pattern of error so that you don't make the same mistake. One of those examples is this whole sacred name thing that you got to call Jesus Yahushua or Yeshua because there's like 20 different variations, by the way. Nobody can seem to agree on one. But either way, you got to call him by his Hebrew name because Jesus is actually the Catholic imposter that that was created and it comes from hail zeus and it's a pagan name and he's he's gonna be the false christ now there is some truth to this in the sense that maybe there will be a false christ i've talked about this quite a bit maybe there will be absolutely I, i'm prepared for that mentally and that's why i'm doing the things that i'm doing nonetheless this is where they get you truth with error so there's some truth they acknowledge you know like the catholic church vaguely and kind of this counterfeit system that came about yes but then they, they they take you for, this is the devil's tactic all the time. Take you off the narrow road. They show you the right, then it makes you go to the left. Or they show you the left and you got to go to the right. So they show you the evils of the Catholic Church and history and possibly the, the end times deception being a false Christ. True. Absolutely. Very true. Very, very biblically sound. But then the solution to that is presented to you as another extremist view. Oh, no, no, see, the truth is now you got to call him by his Hebrew name because that was all invented. No, no, no. For many reasons, no. First off, look at the Septuagint. The Septuagint has, is a Greek translation of the Old Testament done in like 200 BC. There are translations of the word Joshua, like the actual Joshua that walked people across the Jordan, like Moses did with the Red Sea, as Jesus. Jesus, because Joshua is not able to be transliterated into, or Yehoshua is not able to be transliterated into Greek. Greek is a different language, different consonants, different vowels. So what the Greeks did, the Greek Jews, by the way, they're Jews, Hellenistic Jews that translated this 
What do they do? They transliterated Yehoshua and Yeshua, which is Joshua, which is what Jesus' real name is in Hebrew, to Jesus, so that they could read it in Greek. So the Greeks, so that Greek-speaking Jews who did not speak Hebrew or speak Hebrew very well could read the scriptures themselves, and they would read Joshua as Jesus. So the word Jesus, which was taken from Greek and put into English as Jesus, just like you would use in Spanish Jesus, because Spanish does not have a J sound, it has a H sound instead of a J sound. So they say Jesus, just like every different language has different types of pronunciations. English took Jesus from Greek, which is transliteration of, Ye of Yehoshua from Hebrew. So this whole idea that Jesus is the name that, oh my gosh, you got to watch out for that's the Antichrist. This is such a false teaching for so many reasons. Then I go into it in my Mark of the Beast episode of my end time series, exposing these people. You're wrong. You're a legalist. You are departing from the gospel of grace and you need to repent. So that's my take on that. V1, E1, R1, G1, E1. Let's see what they say. The stupidity and arrogance of this podcast title. Seriously, the Jews are the chosen. They have not yet fulfilled all of their roles God intended for them. Just does not mean God rescinds his promises. Who were the promises made to? That would make God to be a liar. He isn't, so you are wrong. Yeah, you're right. God cannot lie, and he doesn't rescind his promises. But who were the promises to? The New Testament tells you. They were to Christ. Christ is the one who inherits the earth. Revelation is the book of the seals. The seals are opened. If you know anything about property and how they would seal an inheritance with seven seals, that's why the book of Revelation has seven seals. And after the seventh seal is open, the inheritance is done. Christ comes to the earth, destroys evil, inherits creation. Yeah, Christ is the inheritor. He's the offspring, according to Abraham. And if you are Christ's, then you inherit the earth with him. There is nobody who will inherit anything who is outside of Jesus. Nobody. If you can show me that in the Bible, it's, it's not there, but show it to me. It's not. If you believe that, then you are contradicting the word of God. And you are a liar, not me, because I'm just presenting to you what the Bible says. The Bible says very clearly that Abraham's offspring is the promise the children of the promise. We, who are the children of the promise? Are they the Jews? No, they're the children based on the election of God. Read Romans 9. When Jacob and Esau were not even born, God had chosen between the two who he would hate and who he would love, meaning who he would impart the blessing to. Not to do with their blood, not to do with anything, but according to his sovereign electing purpose so that it would not be based on effort or the will of man. That's what Romans 9 tells you. Now, take that and apply it to everything else. When, when Abraham was promised that he would be a blessing to his offspring, would be a blessing to all families on the earth, has that been fulfilled in the Jews? Absolutely not. Zero percent. Nothing. The, it's been fulfilled through Jesus. Yes, he was from the tribe of Judah, but he is the offspring, not the state of Israel today, not the Jewish people. It is singular, offspring. He is the promise. He's the one that we have to be aligned with in order to receive the promise. So this whole idea that, that, oh my gosh, how can you say such a thing? You're calling God a liar. No, I'm not. 
In fact, I'm vouching for the truth of God's word because dispensationalism and Jewish-focused end times views are nullifying the word of God and making God out to be some fickle being that chooses based on flesh and lineage, even when people largely in Israel today are atheist, grossly liberal, and could care less about God. And you're telling me that God's chosen people are those people. Well, you're wrong. So anyway, moving on. Oh boy, this is just crazy, crazy people out here. All right, let's see. No, false teaching. The 12 tribes of Israel, Christ, Christ will unite. Israel is, is his bride. And I'm not talking about the state of Israel. Lies, false heretical preacher. This is from somebody else. Charles Davis, 9937. And Yaffa, 83. The bride of Christ is not Israel, not the state of Israel. It is the Israel of God, the people who are born again. There is no, there is no way you can enter the kingdom of God any other way. You have to be born again. The kingdom of God is the bride of Christ. It's the temple. It's the church. It's the house of God. It is the Lord's table. All of these things are synonymous for the relationship that you have with God through Christ. The only way to inherit the earth is to have a relationship with Christ. How do you have that? You have it by being born again, not by your lineage, not by your social status, not by your DNA, not by what church you're a part of, not by your claim to Jewishhood, not by anything, but purely by the work and glory and credit of God, which is through being born again. But if you don't read your Bible and you don't know the truth, and you think that the truth is false heretical preaching and lies, because you haven't even bothered to watch it, by the way, then you are an ignoramus and you will choose to remain that way until... Hopefully, God, the Holy Spirit, opens your eyes. Mercury, Mr. Mercury, 9286. This was interesting until you claimed that the word anti-Semitism did not exist until the Bolsheviks, which is just wrong. The term existed already in the second half of the 19th century. For example, in the book Anti-Semitism by Heinrich Graf von Kodenhof Kalergi. That's an interesting last name. From 1900, the term was already well-established, first used in 1880 years before the Bolsheviks existed or even came to power. I think some others claim you some other claims you make are also wrong, like Stalin being partly a Jew, which is completely unproven. No, it's not completely unproven. It is not completely unproven. And there is evidence. There is a lot of evidence. And the evidence I didn't say it's proof. So I didn't say this is a complete proof, but the again, at what point do the coincidences become meaningful? What point? Did the, in fact, the point isn't even that Stalin was a Jew. He probably was. Again, look at the documentary. He was born in Ossetia, probably. He had Ossetian blood. In Ossetia, the word for son of a Jew is Jugashvili, which is what his last name was. <clears throat> That's what his, Stalin's last name was Jugashvili, which in Ossetia means son of a Jew. Okay. Could be, it could be a Jew, a grandfather or whatever. Like it's not 100% proof. But then you look at the fact that he was surrounded by Jewish elite. All of his family married into the Jewish elite. Everybody was marrying the Jews. Within, like why? Why is that? Only, only the Jews are very picky about their you know, associations, about who they marry and what they stay in, at least at that point in time. So that's, that is a red flag. Now it doesn't matter... Either way, because the point of the presentation is that the Bolsheviks were largely Jewish. 
Not a popular opinion, but it's true. They were largely Jewish, and people caught on to that, especially because the majority of Russia was Christian, and they were getting slaughtered, and they said, hey, what's going on? And so, of course, the term anti-Semitism began to be weaponized. That is the point of my presentation. Now, you're basically saying, oh, this was interesting until, you know, this little fact check. Well, first off, show me the impact of that book in 1880, which, by the way, was only, what, 30, 40 years before the Bolsheviks? That's a meaningless thing. The, the point that I was making is that in all of the thousands of years, practically almost last 2,000 years of history, from AD 70, in fact, even if you count the Old Testament, that's thousands of years of Jewish persecution and trouble that they've been in. They've been expelled from various European countries. They've been taken over by various empires. Been, their temple was destroyed. In all of this tumultuous history, not a single moment up until 1880, 1890, was this term used against Gentiles or Gentiles saying, oh, we need to be stopping anti so anti-Semitic. This term was never used. It started to be weaponized by the Bolsheviks. And of course, if you know your history, these things are planted a little bit beforehand. Just like with the Holocaust, there were the number 6 million was being thrown around quite a bit, if you know anything about that right, starting in the 1900s, actually 1800s, late 1800s, 6 million, 6 million, 6 million, 6 million this, 6 million that. This was a runner-up to what was happening. These are Kabbalistic practices of calling into existence what you want. Now, the whole anti-Semitism thing, sure, there might be, there might have been one lone book on it a couple of decades before the Bolsheviks. Who cares? That's not the point I was making. The point I was making is that the majority of Bolsheviks were Jewish. Atheist Jews, really. This is not even actual, like, practicing Jews. Atheist Jews. And they were using this term to shield themselves, just like the CIA used the term conspiracy theorist, to shield itself from critical thinking. That's the point. And if you can't get your head around that, then you're missing the point. You really are. If you're going to negate entire presentation based off of one mismatch in your own thinking. But anyway, Averill, she's back again. Thank goodness. The Israelis stabilized Israel from the bottom of their heart. <laughs> These emotional emotional statements are just from the bottom of their heart. Let's support them. She, she's got such a big heart, but it's just pointed in the wrong direction. As a Christian, it's God's will and permitted the Jews to be there. I'm so sad many Jewish died in Holocaust Oh boy, almost six million after the God led them to Israel. God is good. Jesus Christ is good. Well, the Rothschilds and Hitler arranged the colonization of Palestine and funded the state of Israel. And after Hitler was destroyed, because he was no longer useful to the beast, they used all of the money from that empire and shuffled it into Zionism through the reparations payments which are about, I think, something like $90 billion for a nation of a couple million people. Never mind the aid, never mind all this stuff. So all these things are designed to raise these powers up and bring them around and prop them up and create various conflicts. And in my series, as well as my end time series and in the documentation, the documentary I present, there's a reason for that. There's a reason why these powers are being propped up, Zionism included. 
because they serve the beast's agenda of bringing about a one-world religious system. The topic of that is the topic of my end time series. So go check it out. Willie Lunch Lunchelnet. 5843 says, Godliness is within everyone. Forget this God stuff. That is a fiction. I'm guessing this is some kind of a new age comment. Like God is within. But yeah, repent and follow Jesus, dude. There's no way you can reconcile yourself with God on your own works. You cannot walk on water. You you cannot control when you're going to die. You you don't know what's you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You can't create the world. You can't do anything. You are sustained by God every single moment. So you're deluding yourself if you think that godliness is in everyone. That's the lie from the Garden of Eden, believe it or not. Old as time, nothing new under the sun. Elizabeth, she's back. Elizabeth Ashby. Do not worry, God, Jesus knows who his chosen people are. It tells you in the Bible. Yeah, it does. It does. It's not the people you're thinking about. It does tell you in the Bible. And that is the elect that are coming to Christ through being born again. It's the chosen people that God has chosen to save before time and give to Christ, and Christ doesn't lose them, but raises them up on the last day. There is a golden chain that follows these qualities. It's an unbreakable chain, just like Romans 8, 28 through 30, John 6, the whole chapter practically. There are people who God has given, God the Father has given to Christ, that he will not lose. He cannot lose because a true believer does not apostatize. That is what the Bible tells you, reveals to you the plan of salvation, which is why the gospel is such good news. You have security in God's work, not in your own work. You have gratitude for God opening your eyes, and you know that that is proof, just like the Bible says in Ephesians 1.14. It's a guarantee of your inheritance with Christ. Wait a minute, who inherits the earth? <gasps> I know, I know, I know, the people who are in Christ, not the Jews, not anybody else, nobody who's outside of Christ. You have to be in Christ in order to inherit the earth. If the if a Jewish person becomes born again, they will inherit the earth. If a Chinese person becomes born again, they will inherit the earth with Christ. If an African person, if a Mexican person, if an American person, Canadian person, German person, anybody who becomes born again, they will share in the inheritance with Christ. If a Jewish person does not become born again, guess what happens? He doesn't inherit the earth. Same with anybody else. So yes, God knows who his chosen people are and he will not lose them, but they're not the Jews. Abraham Philip 64 39 says, for whom did Christ come for as originally envisioned by God with the call of Abraham? Cutting a covenant with him manifested as the Messiah the only connection between God and man after the fall. I, I'm not sure what this guy is asking. I think he's asking, for whom did Christ come for as originally envisioned by God with the call of Abraham? Now, he might be saying the truth, which is like the people of faith, right? The people of faith is who God is redeeming, which I agree with, no contest there. Or you might be saying he's coming for the Jews, which definitely not. I mean, yeah, he, in the Old Testament, the Jew, the Israelites, because Jews are part of the Israelites, they're not the Israelites. The Israelites is a nation where God's chosen people for him to work in. But within that nation, you had an elect group of people by faith, always. So there's a distinction that needs to be made there because it's always been about faith throughout, through and through. No dispensations, no anything. It's always been about grace through faith via a propitiatory sacrifice. The New Testament through Christ is a fulfillment of that. 
So anyway, I don't know what that question is asking, but let's see. James Vander, Vanderhorn, 1117 says, thank God for the Jews. They are such a wonderful litmus test. Makes it easy to spot the jealous and resentful among us. Gosh, yeah, I'm just so jealous of the Jews that aren't saved. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. In fact, I'm very sad that they are so deceived and that many of them will die in their sins. It's sad. At the end of the day, look, the enemy is not even the Catholic Church or the Jews or anybody. The enemy is Satan. Satan is the enemy. And Satan has twisted the minds of many. The Bible tells you Satan is blind to the minds of unbelievers. That includes the Jews and, you know, all sorts of unbelievers, even the false converts. Satan has blinded their mind one way or another, either through hatred or through the comforts of this world or whatever else, or through false teachings. Satan has blinded their mind. And I'm very sad by that. That's why I want to get the truth out. Now, I know full well that the truth is insulting and history is ugly. And people are going to reject the truth and people don't like the truth and they're going to give me troll comments and all kinds of stuff. But ultimately, the truth is the truth, whether we like it or not. So I hope you learned something. That's pretty much all the comments. I hope you learned something. And remember again that the truth is the truth, no matter how we feel about it. Do not base your beliefs on evidence or yeah, base them on evidence. Don't base them on emotions. I don't care how many crybaby emotion emoji faces you post. Stop crying and open your Bible instead and cry over the false teachings that you have adopted into your mind and realize how foolish you were. And it's okay. We're all foolish at one point or another. We still are foolish in some ways, but realize the truth. Learn to go where the evidence takes you. Everything I ever create, I try to put ample amount of evidence so that you aren't deceived. So that either way, you have a resource to, to defend your beliefs. They don't just say, oh, well, you know, this guy on the internet or YouTube told me this and check it out. No, I want you to have a resource that if you share with somebody, they have a resource too. It's not my word. It's the testimony of history and scripture. So I always try to go by the evidence and the evidence time and again in the Bible, especially the New Testament tells you the same thing, which is that God has a chosen people based on faith. And those people are not chosen based on anything they did or who they are, but rather God's own ability to supernaturally resurrect them. Notice also all, I hope you also notice like these different trends of errors. One of them being one of the big ones is that people use Old Testament. They're stuck in the Old Testament, dude. They're stuck in the Old Testament and they interpret the New Testament via the Old. And this is the main error that you have to be afraid of or not afraid of, but like uh, wary. Just be wary of it with sacred name people, with you know, dispensationalists, um, you know, all these like, uh, what's, what's it called? Like Hebrew roots, people, messianic Jews. I mean, there's just a lot of Jewish, Jewish, Jewish focused stuff. People who are premillennial, even though they're not as bad as dispensationalists, again, it's Jewish focused. The Jews are the chosen people, of course, which is astounding. Really. It's astounding that I think this again, ties back to election. If you don't understand the doctrine of election, which is something that a lot of people don't, unfortunately, they rebel against it because they don't like the sovereignty of God. But either way, if you don't understand that, then you are likely to adopt this belief. And with that comes a lot of other errors that you are also likely to adopt, 
maybe by believing the Jews are God's chosen people, it will make you more susceptible to becoming a dispensationalist than a sacred name person or a Hebrew roots person, which again, all these things have errors in them and they tend towards legalism for very good reason because they, they deny the New Testament essentially. So I hope that that's not you. I hope that that's you know, something you'll be able to avoid. Check out my end time series. I have a lot of great episodes there on all of this on the third temple being rebuilt, on Romans 11, we do a great deep exegesis there to show you that it's not about a future revival of the Jews. It's about a present reality that Paul is talking about. There are elect within the Jewish community, just like there are elect in every other people group. But those elect will come to Christ according to the timing of the Holy Spirit. That's not up for us to determine. And it's not even for us to really judge. We can't judge the heart. We don't know who God has purposed to save. We have to just proclaim the gospel and let God do the rest. But remember also that the term Jew means something very different today than what it did 2,000 years ago or 2,500 years ago. So there's that to reconcile too. And I go into great detail in the documentary, so go watch it. But so far, the Jews, that group of people has been in rebellion and many of them have died in their sins. Open rebellion. I mean, if you know what the Talmud says, which I cover a little bit in that documentary, it's open rebellion. It really is. It's an antichrist book. So how can that be God's chosen people? You have to really, like, at what point is the cognitive dissonance going to just push you to the right side for crying out loud? Because you have to have cognitive dissonance to learn anything. But most of the time people experience cognitive dissonance. Oh, no, no, no. You know, run back to their, to their safety net of the comforting thoughts that they have, but, you know, allow yourself to be uncomfortable and explore the truth, man. Explore the truth. Anyway, I hope this was educating. Go watch the documentary. Go learn the truth. Study your Bible. Learn the truth about the gospel of grace. Study the doctrine of election so that you aren't fooled by this whole idea of God choosing people based on their flesh. And last but not least, don't let the Zionists get you.